Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. It is dog walk talk time. Joined by Jake Roos, Palmer Toms. Hope everyone had a happy Easter, Passover, and G-Day. Um, not necessarily in that order. Guys, we had a uh, great fantasy football G-Day roster draft. And it wasn't as beautiful as the dog's new championship rings, but I think it was a big success. Um, and today on this episode, we're going to go through y'all's roster. Not not everybody. We'll just do uh, the top, I don't know, skill players. We'll treat it like a real fantasy deal. We can't really grade out um, offensive linemen necessarily. I'm not an expert that's qualified to do that. But let's take a, a big look at, at how y'all did. What are your first thoughts, uh, Roos, Palmer? How, how do you think you did going back and watching G-Day and keeping in mind which players you drafted? I thought I was amazing. I, I, I knew I would be. I mean, I, I told you from the get-go that I was going to beat Palmer, and I did. That's what happened. So, uh, <laughs> overall, no, I, I felt like overall, you know, some of the guys that I, I went with um, – you know, kind of showed out, and for the reasons that I hope they would. Oscar Delp was the guy we thought he would be um, coming into that game. Uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins is a guy who, in year two, looks like he's primed for breakout, and I think will be a major factor over the course of the season. I think you saw that early on. Um, you know, Nylon Green and Javon Bullard, I thought both had good games too. Um, so that was encouraging, and really, that's encouraging for the depth at, at uh, defensive back. Um, you know, uh, I think Palmer uh, got me with, with Eric Gilbert, but I, I felt good with my, uh, I still felt good about my Delp pick. Overall, you know, I, I think that I thought it was a pretty evenly balanced matchup. And, um, you know, I think for Georgia, it was a, uh, a great showcase to get some of those young guys out there and kind of let you know, you know, that they are still in good hands. Um, and for me, it was a little weird watching the game because I, I almost felt that the the offense was ahead of the defense, and that's not been the case for some time. No, no it I is mean, they, so. they absolutely were ahead of the defense, and, and that feels like it's been the case all spring long. Um, I think the biggest miss of our draft would be, uh, you know, on my part, not taking Carson Beck. Neither of us taking Carson Beck. Um, I chose Brock Vandegrift over Carson Beck. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, Beck had the better day on the stat sheet. Um, Brock looked a little bit uncomfortable, whereas Beck looked, you know, very comfortable in that third string role. Um, but overall, I thought, thought my roster had a really strong day as well. Um, Kendall Milton getting in the end zone through the air, um, you know, the only running back to do so. Really, none of the running backs had a huge impact, um, you know, on the game. Dejan Edwards did have two touchdowns, but, you know, it was from three yards out and ten yards out. I think yeah, I think any three yeah, of those running backs the could same, have. Buddy. They all What's count that? the same. They all count the same, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, to me, I felt like any of those running backs could have punched those in. Um, you know, overall, my receivers had a better day. Um, you know, A.D. Mitchell and Lad McConkey combined for three catches, I believe. Uh, Kiaris Jackson had more than that alone as he led 
the uh, you know entire team in receiving yards. Arian Smith had a big day through the air with his 60-yard reception. Um, yeah, I, I felt like both of us had really strong tight ends, and, and that was kind of the theme of that game in general was Georgia in the strength that they have at that tight end position. Gilbert and Delp both showing out, and, and obviously they've got guys behind them as well. Um, or really ahead of them, uh, you know, that, that weren't able to play this spring in Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington. Um, like we said, I think it's tough to grade out the offensive line. Um, a lot of that is is done as a unit. Um, but, you know, I think overall both sides had a pretty strong day on the offensive line. Um, and, and, you know, one thing that I did notice with your team, Roos, was just some of the injuries. Some of those guys that you picked that weren't able to play, Robert Beal, Tramel Walthour, uh, yep. neither Lasser. of them played. Kamari Lasser yep. didn't play. Um, yep. and, and so, you know, th- that was, you know, d- definitely limiting your defense. Uh, I didn't think that either secondary had a great day. Um, but overall, I felt like, uh, you know, and, and Wes would know this sitting next to me in the box. I kept saying, oh, that's a Team Tom's guy right there. That's a Team Tom's guy. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I felt like it was a strong day for Team Tom's. Uh, and, and overall, I think it was a strong day, you know, for the Georgia offense. And, and with that offense showcasing the passing game, I felt like my combination, my pick of Jackson, uh, Kyrus Jackson, Eric Gilbert, Arian Smith, all three of those guys had a big day through the air. Kendall Milton had a touchdown through the air as well. Uh, so I felt very strong about the performance of my team. So uh, you bring up the secondary, how much they were tested, and really how neither secondary looked that great. Um, I think it was kind of a byproduct of how pass-heavy they scripted this game to be. Uh, Georgia's not going to pass it as much as they did um, I don't know if the maybe they will, but we're just not used to seeing Georgia be that pass heavy uh, and the running backs be that little of a factor. But again, very impressive work from the offense. Um, they did their job. They can't help you know what kind of situations the secondary happened to be in or not be in. And Todd Munkin showed the ability for his offense to get the ball in the hands of a lot of different playmakers. I'm looking at the stat sheet right now as I kind of tabulate how you guys did. You know, Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton, Carson Beck, Stetson Bennett, all with rushing attempts. Um, but then look at look at receiving. Kyrus Jackson, Kenny McIntosh, Gilbert, Rosme Jack Saint, Seether, A.D., Kendall Milton, Lad McConkey, C.J. Smith, like a lot of guys, Arian Smith, uh, Jackson Meeks, all these guys getting touches in the game. And if that's any indication of Munkin's offense in the regular season, I think it bears out, you know, part of what we've talked about in previous episodes about why a guy like Burton would transfer to Alabama because it's not necessarily a system. Um, to this point anyway, maybe they make drastic changes in the regular season where one guy is the main receiving target or one guy is the main rushing uh, attempt uh, maker. Like Everyone touches the ball in this offense, and it makes it really dangerous. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, um, you know, I, they talked about it on the broadcast. I know you guys were both there, but, you know, the, the ability of this team, I mean – 
you could line up four tight ends, and I think it would be very difficult for anybody to stop it because you've got a lot of guys who can function in this system in ways that tight ends traditionally don't. Um, you know, I mean, Delp is one of those guys. Gilbert's one of those guys. We know Bowers is one of those guys. We've seen Darnell Washington be one of those guys. You know, Brett Seether on Saturday was one of those guys. So, you know, it's honestly kind of absurd. I mean, I, I don't even understand how you keep this many good tight ends around. Uh, somebody it feels like has to be odd man out at some point. I don't know who that'll be or when that will happen or if it will. But at some point, you've got to think that one of these guys has to be looking over his shoulder and saying, hey, you know, how do I fit into all of this? Because there's a lot of mouths to feed when it comes to that room. Good problem to have for Georgia, but bad if you're a guy, uh, you know, fourth, fifth on that list. Well, Roos, and, right. and you know this as well as anybody on this podcast here, but Georgia has two tight ends committed in the class of 2023, and only yep. one that really realistically could leave after this season, and that being Darnell Washington, because Brock Bowers is going to be there. Eric Gilbert probably going to be there unless he, he, he has an incredible season and decides to leave after three. Um, you know, I, I, I think that... It's it's a problem. It's it's like you said. It's a good problem to have, but it's a problem that's not going away anytime soon. And, and I think that's a testament to what Todd Hartley is doing with that off with that room and on the recruiting trail. A testament to what Todd Munkin is doing with this offense, getting that position involved, and a testament to what Kirby Smart has, is able to sell uh, with this program. The opportunity for multiple mouths to be fed each and every Saturday. All right, guys. So here's what we got so far. Uh, looking at your players, Roos, I think it is clear that Palmer had the better team uh, just based on performance from the top 10 draft picks. If we're going fantasy style, A.D. Mitchell, only two receptions for 28 yards. Jalen Carter was a, a big star on defense, had a sack, uh, broke up a pass. But then other than Delp, huge receiving target, seven catches for 91 yards. As Palmer mentioned, Beal couldn't go. Lassiter couldn't go. Lad McConkey, uh, surprising, only had one catch. Uh, Jalen Walker did have a tackle for loss. That was a good pickup. Um, Stetson, strong quarterback performance uh, out of the two. No one picked Carson Beck. So, yeah, pretty underwhelming day for Team Roos. On the flip side, Palmer's top 10 picks, Keely Ringo had four tackles, really good pass breakup uh, on a target to McConkie, I believe. Was that who? who it was, was to McConkie, and, and, and the fact that AD and him were both so limited is a testament to what uh, Ringo was able to do. I don't know if it was all Ringo, not to take anything away from him. I'm purely taking it away from your draft selection. Uh, expertise <laughs> it, it just seemed like they weren't necessarily drawing things up for for the guys that were proven commodities is that well too, I, is that a tinfoil hat in, take no I, I mentioned that in my you know I mentioned that in my uh, write-up of the team that you know I thought that AD Mitchell would probably be limited I mean I don't think that there's a lot of need to go to him nine times like you do an Oscar Del or, or, or anybody else I mean whoever you know is leading the team you know what A.D. Mitchell can do. You've seen it, right? I mean, it's not necessarily a situation where he's in a prove-it mode. Um, I think a lot of these guys in G-Day, uh, 
who are successful are in that mode. Uh, they're in that, you know, got to get out there, earn my stripes, earn my spot. I think we all know and all feel, I, I do anyway, and I, I would assume you guys do as well, AD's number one, wide receiver one going into this year, and I, I don't think anybody's going to unseat him for that. Um, so, I, you know, I, I thought that that was a possibility. I knew that when I, when I was drafting, but uh, such is life. Um, you know, the real thing that I'm sad that we didn't get to see, honestly, now going back and knowing what we know now, and I'm sure we'll get to very shortly. I, I wish we could have seen a Marius Mims take part in uh, in G. We'll get to Mims. I, I would really. We'll, we'll yeah, get to Mims I, later I would have really liked to have seen him. I would have liked to have seen uh, what he could have done in that uh, opportunity. You know, Ernest Green, I thought had a great day uh, for a young offensive lineman. It looked like he was uh, winning some battles when Team he had Tons. some opportunities. <laughs> So yeah, I mean it was a it was it was a good showing for a lot of those guys, the young guys, like I said, the prove it guys. You feel good coming out of this, looking at what Georgia's got in the future. I think. Uh, War McClendon was asked about Amarius Mims, and this was before we knew that Mims was going to come back to Georgia after dipping his toe in the transfer portal and the waters of Tallahassee and Miami. Uh, but he was asked, "What was it like to compete?" with Mims and basically hold him off and he gave some pretty good insight to that he said hey it, it is what it is man like we were competing and I'm just doing my job he was just doing his and Mims apparently felt like he still has a shot still feels like George is the place for him and we'll get to uh to Mims talk of course because it's our biggest story of the week even bigger than anything that came out of G-Day uh, really quick to summarize, Palmer's team, Keely Ringo, four tackles, one pass breakup. Gilbert, three receptions, 49 yards. Two of those receptions, though, were touchdowns. And one of them, Kirby thought in real time that he that Stetson was trying to throw the ball away. I don't know. Going back and watching it, it looks like he really did put it where he needed to. And from our Stetson vantage point. Stetson said that, too. Yeah. Stetson said that, too, that they were trying to – that it was more of a situation where – uh, you know, Gilbert was working on a d different route concept than than what uh, you know they ended up running. But the defensive back had his back turned, uh, and, and that they ended up going to him. Uh, you know, with that opportunity. Um, you know, not necessarily a situation where he was completely throwing it away, but it wasn't designed that way. Yeah, and I will and I will say my my big takeaway from uh, G Day, uh, Eric Gilbert. Uh, glad to see him out there, yep. man. Just in general. I mean, just in general, I, regardless 100%. of what he was able to do, I mean, you know, even honestly, even if the kid had just been standing on the sidelines with a helmet on, that would have been great to see, uh, to see him kind of get back there and see the form, you know, that, that you have expected of him for so long, hope that he would get back to, I mean, let's be real. There was a time when we weren't really even concerned about football when it came to this sure. young man. And so I, I think that it's exciting to, uh, to see him, and like Terrence Edwards said, and go check out that piece Wes wrote uh, with him. You know, he looked like he had his his joy back. He was smiling big. He was jumping, laughing. I mean, uh, he seemed like he was really back in his. Own. And he was in physical shape. And I know the TV broadcast crew pointed out some things that we had heard, um, just about how big he'd gotten and how much weight he'd put on as part of the struggles that he was going through. And uh, he has clearly done what it takes with George's medical staff. Uh, to get in a good place between the ears, uh, in his heart, it seems like, with the joy that you mentioned, Jake, and to get down to where that ball was on that touchdown, probably the most impressive catch he made. Not that he made a ton of them, but he made a huge impact on the game. Um, who else did you have, Palmer? 
uh, War McClendon, Pop Dumas, Pop Dumas Johnson, seven tackles. What a force, man. And going to be moving forward. I think, I mean, it was, that was, that was a clear uh, win for Palmer, even at the moment when he had, he drafted him. I mean, the kid is absolutely LB one, in my opinion, uh, moving into this fall. I don't see, again, I don't see anybody unseating him. Really the question becomes who's going to be his running mate back there. And uh, I I think Georgia still does have a question to answer with that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you had Tresman, and I thought Tresman had a strong day, um, nearly an interception on Stetson uh, there. I believe it was you know early in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought Tresman had a good look uh, on the defensive side of the football. Um, you know, Jalen Walker and Xavier Sori working together on that second team. Um, you know, a talented grouping, uh, but certainly inexperienced young pairing there. Uh, and, and it just go, went to show, you know, as, as soon as you got past those four, it was a ton of walk-ons in there. And so Georgia needs to get healthy in that inside linebacker room. They need Ryan Davis to get back. They need Smile Munden to get back. They need C.J. Washington to get back. And they need E.J. Lightsey to come in uh, and, and ready to play. So I think it's certainly a situation where, you know, Pop is, is their number one linebacker. Uh, and there's talented options there for two, three, four, uh, but it's all about kind of how is it going to shake out between those guys. Tresman Marshall, uh, Javon Bullard, and Nylon Green had Georgia's interceptions of the day. One of those was on a gadget play uh, that uh, Dominic Blaylock threw up there for grabs, but um, some positive signs of life there on the turnover front for the dogs uh, having a nose for the football. And then who else did you have? Cedric Van Prant. All right, Kiaris Jackson. That's the one. Leading receiver on the day. Four catches for 107 yards. Good to see him back to form, man. Uh, you know, you, you, you kind of – Felt like he disappeared a little. I know he was dealing with some injury and and that kind of thing. Um, You know, for me, that was kind of the big thing. You got to see some guys who've really struggled to – you know, be consistent or, or, you know, I mean, Kyrus at once, at one time led the team in yeah. receptions and receiving yards. So to see him back. Yeah. To see him back in that form. Great to see, um, you know, Tresman Marshall, a guy that you have seldom seen healthy out there running around and making plays for the dogs. Um, you know, I, I thought that there were a couple of guys like that where it was just Don Blaylock. I mean, goodness gracious, everything that kid's been through. Um, you know, regardless of what happens, you know, moving into the fall, I, I'm excited that those kids had a chance to get out there and show what they could do in front of a Sanford Stadium crowd. Um, and you know, wish them all the wish them all the health moving into this fall because each one of those guys could be a, a big impact maker. Uh, and then Zion Logue, two tackles, Nolan Smith, four tackles. Yeah, just just a fun day, a fun G Day game. You know, we've all sat through G days where the final score was 13 to 7, you know, and we didn't really come out of it feeling like we learned a lot. And I, I think if we learned anything this time around is that Georgia has a lot of capable playmakers on both sides of the ball, which ones will separate themselves and how much depth can Georgia, healthy depth, can the dogs accrue either through the transfer portal or through guys just getting healthy uh, between now and Oregon. Uh, Let's take a quick break. On the other side of this, we will talk about Amarius Mims and kind of put a bow on spring football 2022 before heading off 
into the great unknown of the Georgia football summer. We'll be right back. All right, guys. So all that spring ball talk in our rear view, the biggest story written by our own Palmer Toms from the past week, probably for this entire month when we go back and look at it, was the return of Amarius Mims from the transfer portal. Uh, what exactly happened that you're aware of to this point, Palmer? Yeah, just speaking with people um, that know a little bit about the situation, I think it's one where Mims wanted to see what was out there, uh, but you know, ultimately those close to him, those that impacted his recruitment in the first place and are impacting it again now, um, you know, his re-recruitment of sorts, um, you know, they helped him realize, you know, hey, here's let's let's remember what you fell in love with of, at Georgia in the first place, that opportunity to grow and develop against talented offensive linemen like you like you said, Wes, earlier, uh, you know, the, the battle between him and Warren McClendon every day in practice throw Broderick Jones in that category. You know, those guys are lining up against talented defensive linemen. Uh, you know, Jalen Carter. I mean, you know, how you're not going to get many better. You're, you're, you're not going to get better if you're going against guys that aren't as good as you, uh, that, that challenge you as a player. And there's not going to be many that offer a bigger challenge than Jalen Carter. Um, so for Amarius Mims, I think those close to him realized and reminded him that, hey, you fell in love with Georgia for a reason. Here were those reasons. You wanted to come here and compete. You wanted to stay in state. Uh, you know, I think that's a big factor here too. Uh, and, and that you wanted to, um, you know, really develop as a football player under this coaching staff, under the direction of these coaches, uh, you know, and, and alongside some of these other players. This is the best place for you to develop into an NFL prospect, which you know, whether or not he had stayed at Georgia, we all would have thought that he is capable of being an NFL player uh, down the road. It, it, he, you know, even without playing the first two seasons of his, uh, you know, college career, because again, it still doesn't look likely that he's headed for a starting position and he didn't start last year. Even with that being the case, this guy's talented enough, has the raw tools that he could be a Sunday player after three years. And, and so I think those close to him reminded him, hey, here's the bet. This Georgia is the best place for you to grow as a football player. Uh, and, 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 you know, ultimately, I think that's what helped Georgia win him back. I mean, remember what Nick Saban said at that touchdown club meeting a couple weeks after the national championship where he basically called a couple guys out for not being ready for the moment that helped Georgia win. And a lot of Georgia fans took that as Saban making excuses for, you know, Jameson Williams being injured and Mechie being injured, but I didn't really take it that way at all. I think he was truly holding guys accountable for – opportunities that could have been their moments to shine and for one reason or another they didn't and look at how Georgia's offensive line situation uh shook out I, I mean Broderick Jones benefited from that shakeup in the national championship game you know the same thing could happen for Mims it, it, it is a cliche but he could have his moment still this year even though it doesn't look like it in April uh Jake what do you remember about Mims's recruitment that may have factored back in to him ultimately choosing Georgia again. 
You know, I, I think for Amarius, you know, he was one of those guys, and, you know, I mean, you like to think this is true of everybody, but the reality is that it's not, that this was a staff-wide effort, I mean, to reel a kid like this in. And so it's not like he was just close to Matt Luke, who, you know, was his offensive line coach at the time. I mean, it's not like he was just connected to a singular guy. Um, you know, there were so many people around Amarius in on the Georgia staff that he's close with and you know in that locker room especially as well that I think that those ended up being the key things and like Palmer said I I think being at home really ended up being a major factor for him in the end I I feel like that was something that was very mm, motivating when he sat back and thought about it um you know I've seen one of the things that I want to kind of get out there and, and that's kind of been grinding my gears is that people are saying oh you know he he went out there to test the waters of NIL and then Georgia kind of bounced back and, and, you know, maybe came with a bigger bag. I don't know if they did or didn't. I I haven't seen anything that implies such a, such being the case, but I don't think that it's the case that, I mean, if, if I were doling out NIL, I wouldn't do it for a guy who almost just left the school. Um, so it's not like I, I don't think that that is a big factor in this situation. I think it's where the kid wanted to be first and foremost. And then I think other concerns secondary. Yeah, I, I understand the, I guess, the already jaded perception of the NIL transfer portal combo being used that way because there's nothing to prevent a guy from doing it. Um, maybe that's why guys will, you know, test those waters of the transfer portal and see what they can get. It, I'm not going to speculate about that. Um, I have nothing, like you said, to indicate that that's what happened. Um, but I think that's a good point. I mean, what what kind of deals would try to bend over backwards for someone that doesn't necessarily want to be on the team at any a given point? Company, maybe. I mean, I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe two men in a truck if you're interested. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's just, I don't know. I. I I can't that that just doesn't that just doesn't make sense to me. And I've seen that that narrative kind of put out there a lot. Like I said, I, I can't say one way or another if that was or wasn't what happened. But to me, I can't see that end ending up being the dividing factor because I think Florida State or uh, Miami could have matched anything that anybody was offering or wasn't offering or, you know, inducements are illegal to begin with. So I'm not even suggesting such a thing would be taking place. But if it were to happen. Yeah, Miami kind of recruits itself, right? And never count out Athens, Georgia, is what I've taken away from this whole deal, which has been insane. Uh, The Florida State fallout of it and the Miami reaction of it, not to uh, take anything away from Palmer's reporting of the story, but I don't know that it would have blown up to the level that it did if not for the threefold factors of Georgia fans, Miami fans, and Florida State fans, the biggest irony of the whole driving force behind that story. It's all about the U. Um, All right, guys, so before we wrap up here, any other big-picture takeaways that we didn't touch on uh, from the G-Day weekend? Some recruiting news, Jake, uh, Palmer, any observations you had that we didn't get to? Kind of, kind of quiet on the recruiting front for for a G day, um, you know. But I think that that's more of a byproduct of used to, you know, you used to see the buildup 
of, of all these guys wanting to to kind of arrive in Athens at the same time. Georgia's been hosting visitors all spring. I mean, they've had guys, they've had weekends that would rival past spring games um, in terms of, you know, guys swinging by to see scrimmages or coming through through the week even. So, you know, maybe it fell a little flat. I still think the big news of the weekend when you're talking about recruiting was Justin Rett, the former Notre Dame commit, gets on campus for his official visit and decommits from Notre Dame. During the visit, I don't know that anybody could that, – that was a bold move. You don't see that move pulled a lot, okay? You see normally the kid gets off the visit. He kind of hmm. gives it a day or two, maybe sloshes it around or, or does it at the end. But in the middle of it, whoo, boy, that was a strong, strong indicator of, uh, I, I think, how Justin Rep feels about the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, you know, they're trending right now on the R- on three uh, recruiting prediction machine. Uh, I wrote a piece on it the other day. I feel Georgia's in a great spot with Rhett. Not sure when it's going to happen, and that may impact things too, but look for that to be a, a big key moving forward. I think that's a guy Georgia really covets in this 2023 class, and I think that the love's pretty reciprocal. Well, and the commitment of Gabe Harris too, that stood out to me. The fact, uh, you know, a talented pass rusher there from in-state, um, somebody that on three is is pretty high on. Um, so, you know, I, I, I thought that was big. Um, you know, just seeing him in person, he looks like somebody capable of making plays within this passing with this within this uh, Georgia defense in the pass rush. Uh, you know, just on paper, um, you know, same size and weight as Robert Beal. Uh, that's not to say that he can't put on some more weight uh, and, and, you know, maybe be a Trayvon Walker, uh, you know, more so than a, than a Beal. Um, so, I, you know, to me, that was a talented, uh, you know, player that, that, you know, was a storyline as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Gabe Harris, you know, Georgia's prioritized him. And t- I mean, uh, again, not to just be killing FSU today, but he was a former Florida State commit. So, I mean, you know, it, Georgia just just somehow somehow beating Florida State in their spring game. I don't know how even how they even made that happen, but um, an inner squad scrimmage and you, you get two wins over the Knolls. I mean, uh, yeah, Harris, uh, a tremendous player. Go watch the film on him. I encourage people to go check that out. Uh, I think that he's a guy with a lot of speed, catches guys, runs guys down from the backside. Um, you know, uh, and, and what I really love, and it pops off the screen when you watch the film, guys like this, uh, you know, who are just fiery, man. You can see when he gets up from making a tackle, he's got juice. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's an emotional leader, uh, it looks like, for his squad. Uh, I think guys like that translate over very well uh, in the collegiate ranks. Um, you know, you got to have your locker room leaders, your on-field guys. It makes me think watching his film kind of made me uh, call back to the national championship game when N'Kobe Dean was just absolutely railing on Channing Tindall. You know, you need guys in there that are doing that kind of thing. I think Gabe Harris can be that kind of player for you. No, and and for me, um, as I turn the attention more to the team side of things, um, my biggest takeaway this spring is is that Georgia – uh, you know, th- there's t- there's talent there. Um, you know, they certainly have a lot of leadership that is that is emerging, and this team appears ready uh, to make another run at it. Um, I'm not saying that I think that they're going to go win a second in a row, uh, but I think that they're going to be competitive for one because if you look at each of these positions up and down this roster. Georgia stacks up with about as good as anybody. Uh, and, and that's a testament to, you know, Roos's side of things in the recruiting, uh, you know, what Kirby Smart has done on that trail, bringing in and, and just making it consistent 
you know, it, it wasn't one splash, you know, one class splash. Uh, he's done it over year over year over year. And so, you know, to me that shows in the running backs, RBU is going to be okay. Uh, you know, Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton, Dejan Edwards, uh, you know, all had a strong spring. We heard a lot about McIntosh and Milton, and I thought all three played very well in the spring game. They combined for, eight, you know, eight catches over 100 yards and a touchdown from Milton. Uh, you know, the pass catchers, the depth may not be there. Yeah, that wheel route was lethal talent. for Milton and McIntosh. Right. Right. And, and, you know, and so, you know, the pass catchers, not those running backs are capable of helping them out, too, uh, in the pass catching game. Uh, But they've also got those talented tight ends. Uh, You know, I don't think it's a question of if George is going to go 14 personnel. I think it's when and, 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 you know, how quickly are they going to do that against Oregon? Because it would not surprise me to see Georgia line up four tight ends on the field. Uh, with as much talent as they have in that room, they've got a cap- you know, pass catchers capable of making an impact. Offensive line looks rebuilt and reloaded. Uh, you know, guys that have waited their turn are, you know, and, and, and that's not to say that the offensive line that we saw on Saturday is going to be the offensive line we see in September. Uh, but I think that there's a strong chance. And, and if that's not the offensive line that we see, well, that means that somebody has emerged from below them. And, 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 you know, taking that spot from a Xavier Truss or a Devin Willick. You know, that means a Tate Ratledge has come along back strong from his injury. That Warren Erickson, who missed Saturday as well, uh, you know, that he comes back strong. That a Dylan Fairchild or that an Amarius Mims uh, comes on strong. Um, and, and then defensively, you know, just looking at that side of the football, again, it seems like, you know, Kirby said this last week on, on, in a radio interview. This is a very similar situation that Georgia is facing in the secondary. They've got a lot of turnover there. And and the secondary didn't look terribly strong last year in G-Day, and they didn't look great on this past Saturday either. And like, like you said earlier, Wes, I think a lot of that is because of the style of game that's played, the pressure that's put on them in the, in, in, you know, with the passing game. Uh, but you know, again, Georgia has players there capable of making an impact. I think they're going to be able to do a lot of things up front with a defensive line that, that has a Jalen Carter has a Zion Logue. Nazir Stackhouse looked good. We heard great things about Tramel Wildthauer all spring long. He wasn't able to play, but in his place, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins looked really good. Yep. I think they're going to be able to do things up front with those guys, the outside linebackers of Robert Beal and Nolan Smith, Chaz Chambliss looked strong. Uh, inside linebackers, we know that they're talented. It's just a matter of getting that talent uh, you know, to, to gel a little bit. Um, you know, Pop looks great as, as that number one linebacker. Who's going to be the number two beside him? That front seven still is very strong. They lose a ton there, but it's still very strong, and they're going to be capable of helping out that secondary as they grow and develop. Uh, you know, and and ultimately, I think it's a you know matter of are they going? Is that secondary going to be ready to play? You know, late down the stretch when they get tested by a passing game in Tennessee, when they get tested by a passing game uh, in in Mississippi State. Um, you know, teams that are going to put the pressure on them. I think Oregon's probably going to put some pressure on them in the passing game, but I think Georgia's offense is capable. And if the defense doesn't look great in that game, I don't think it's a, a you know red flag for the entire season. I think the offense is going to be capable of helping them out in that game. And I think that ultimately the defense we see come November and September, or, you know November and December is going to be a lot different than the defense we see in September and October. 
it's talent, but it's a lot of inexperienced talent, but it's still talent nonetheless. And Kirby told us that the spring is used to form and determine what the team's identity is. He told us that the beginning of spring practice, his evaluation at the end of this one is that there's a lot more leadership readily available than he expected, uh, that they almost wanted to emulate the guys that left, which I thought was an amazing sign. Uh, Kirby doesn't really mince words. He doesn't always tell us everything on his mind, but when he does talk, he doesn't try to misdirect us too much. And I think if there's one thing you want to take away from the spring, that's a great sign for the dogs. It's how much leadership Kirby saw and appreciates and also how gritty he says he feels like this team can be. But um, I feel like those are two traits that you want to have when you're replacing all those first round and overall NFL draft picks. So all in all, a pretty successful spring for Georgia football. All right, guys, enjoyed it as always. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.